happens, and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. You're listening to The Growth Show with Mike Volpe. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Growth Show. I'm Megan Keeney Anderson, Director of Marketing at HubSpot, pinch hitting today for Mike. And I'm joined today by Beth Doan. Beth, thanks so much for joining us. Can you give us a little bit of background on RainTease for people who aren't familiar? Sure. Um, I founded RainTease in 2008. And I had a career in fashion before I started RainTease. But throughout my time in the industry, I saw um, just how toxic fashion is for the environment and how a lot of the people who work in the apparel industry are treated. And it's really upsetting because the, um, the truth is that how our clothes are made and the process with which they're made, so the chemicals and the dyes and the materials that go into making garments, um, it's just overall a very toxic process. And I, I saw things like child labor and I saw just horrible human rights violations. And I knew that fashion didn't have to be made that way. And that um, it was up to people like me in the industry that were seeing what was happening and deciding that that didn't have to be the way the industry worked. <laughs> um, I just I knew that I had to stand up and and to do something. So my my solution and my mission was to create a brand that was made ethically and could help people instead of hurt people, and help the environment instead of hurt the environment. So Rain Tease was my answer and. Every rain tea is, is made by hand and with dyes that are environmentally friendly. And we pay our workers an average of 25% above what an average wage is. So that means a, a lot to us. And we've worked really hard to make that happen. And every rain tea also plants a tree. So uh, since we started, we've planted more than 40,000 trees. Wow. And uh, our first line was done by donating school supplies to kids. So we used children's artwork and featured it on each piece of apparel. And in the process, we've been able to send children to school in over 20 countries by, by sponsoring by sponsoring them. So it's it's a brand that encompasses all the things that are important to me and all the things that I care about. So yeah. it's been it's been a great process. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's interesting. It's you call it a for-profit company with giving that's been built in from the start, which I think is really fascinating. Um, one of the things that stood out to me personally about um, so Beth has this amazing TED talk that you have to catch if you if you can find it online. Um, but in that TED talk, you talked about how you made a decision um, early into Rain Tees to transform an industry that you didn't want to leave altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a, you know, whether you're talking about an entire industry or even just a company that you think is headed in the wrong direction, I think that's an exceptional and honestly a, a kind of courageous insight. And one thing I'd love to talk about a little bit is how do you take that first step to write the course rather than abandoning the ship? So mm-hmm. you love this industry, um, but there were some fundamentally broken things about it. And rather than abandoning it, you decided to change it from within. Mm-hmm. Can you talk that about was, that? Yeah, that was a super challenging process because 
an industry as big and as profitable as fashion doesn't change overnight. And there's still some extremely serious, incredible things that all of us need to be aware of that are happening in fashion that, that still need to change and are far from being ideal, um, both in how workers are treated and the toxicity of the production process. But um, the first thing that I did to create Rain Tees was to speak to people in the industry who were seeing what I was seeing and who felt the way that I felt. Because a lot of people know what's going on and knew what was going on and didn't want to to make those changes because it's expensive and it's yeah. challenging and it takes um, it takes a lot. <laughs> it takes a lot out of you to to want to reinvent um, a wheel that seems to be functioning well in many people's minds, even though it isn't. So um, I just I found those few people who who were aligned with the way I thought, and I I had them help me because there was so much I had to learn, um, not just about launching and creating my own collection, but about how to do that in a sustainable, ethical way. Um, it was it was really challenging. Especially in the beginning, um, now there's there's a lot more attention on the fashion industry. You can find a lot more people that are interested in in really supporting the changes that that we've made and that other companies are now trying to make. So it's very inspiring. Um, I'm inspired every day. And but in the beginning, my inspiration was was harder to find, honestly. Yeah. yeah, let's let's actually talk about that beginning because so a lot of the people who listen in are, are business owners or they're executives and they're they're taking on big visions of their own piece by mm-hmm. piece like you did. Can you rewind back to me for a moment to just breaking off and starting Rain Tees? What was the first six months like? What were the the milestones that you remember right from the beginning? The first six months were um, exciting and terrifying at the same time because uh, it was 2008. The economy was yeah. the worst it, wow. it had been. Yeah. It was it was just not a good time to say, oh, I, I want to start a business and I want to do it in a really, really difficult way. Um, most people thought that what I was doing was crazy or impossible. And in a lot of ways, it was a bit of both. Um, but the thing that kept me going and that really... Um, kept me motivated every single day was the fact that I was working with kids, that I was focused on on a cause that was so much greater than myself and so much greater than just fashion. It was, it really was a social mission and an environmental mission. And I think that for anyone who has a vision and wants to achieve something that hasn't been done before, the most important thing is every single day be tied to that mission and be tied to something greater than yourself and even greater than, than the business. It has to be something really that, that drives you and keeps you going because I can't tell you how many times I heard the word no and how many times things I tried didn't work out. Um, as every entrepreneur knows, failure is an everyday activity <laughs> and it's how you manage it that determines your success. So. So yeah, those first six months were were not easy, but it was a matter of hearing no and then figuring out how to move forward despite those no's. And you know, when you were hearing no, was it was it about sort of aligning the partnerships in the beginning? What was the? It was it was everything. Yeah. I mean, for me, hearing no was 
no to more funding. It was no to um, working with factories based in the U.S. I ended up working with um, a great factory in Peru on our first collection, but everyone locally said, mm, can't do this. It'll be way too expensive. We don't have the infrastructure. We, we're not vertically integrated to handle the type of production you want to do. We don't have access to the organic cotton, or if we do, it'll be 10 times the price. Yeah. Um, eco dyes. Like, how do you dye a fabric in a way that's... Um, not using a lot of water, not using a lot of um, chemicals that are that are dangerous. Um, it was it was a constant stream of no, <laughs> and um, I had to get really creative. And also, I mean, this was the first time that I had created my own fashion brand. So I had to learn. <laughs> right. I had to learn all about the production process, all about the design process, all about the sales process. Um, I had been a fashion broker, so I was in charge of finding great brands and then bringing them to the U.S. and launching them here. So I knew a bit about the process of bringing a brand to market, but I had never, I had never had my own brand. I'd never had my own collection, so I had to learn about the, um, the intricacies of of doing it all uh, myself. Right. So it was challenging. Yeah, I mean, how do you allocate your priorities and your time when you're dealing mm -hmm. with something that is as complex and multifaceted as everything from the basic operations of um, setting up shop to the, the bigger sort of economic and, and socio issues that were coming into play. How do you mm -hmm. look at something that big and break it down into its parts to tackle it? Um, again, like any entrepreneur, it's all about delegating. I think that that's critically important and something that um, every successful business person's really good at. And it's something I had to learn really early on was, um, making lists of things that, okay, here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. Here's what I think I can do, but I shouldn't do because it doesn't make sense within the time frame I have to work with. Right. And then taking that Intel and <laughs> delegating as much as possible. It's, it's really minimizing the time you're spending on things. Um, that aren't in your best interest to spend time on and, and finding the right people to build out your team. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's talk about the, that momentum then, right? So mm -hmm. since this is a growth show, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about how and when rain tea started to spread. What, what were the accelerants or a couple of pivot points where you realized like this is starting to grow? Um, some really exciting moments for us happened uh, with social media and with the partnerships we created. Um, I realized early on that it was going to be really tough to bring my brand to market using national retailers. Um, our price point was really high. The yeah. economy was really bad. And I had a product that no one had heard of before. It was brand new. So to get the kind of growth um, that would really get those major buyers to pay attention and really get con consumers and, and customers to pay attention was, was critical. And we did that through social media. We did that through strategic partnerships. And um, we were really fortunate that some incredible organizations um, believed in our mission and believed in what we were trying to do and supported us along the way. And some of those organizations were uh, Earth Day Network and World Wildlife Fund and Global Green and you know amazing, amazing groups doing great work who understood that uh, aligning with us was a great idea. And it was. And um, through social media, we were able to, to really share on a personal level why our cause mattered to us and, and to me. And, 
also do a, a lot of, of interaction and we gave away a lot of our products in the beginning so that people could experience it and then share our message from a personal standpoint. Uh, and that was really effective for us yeah. and it worked, it worked really well. So it, when it comes to growth, I think social media still today is the best way, the most effective way for most companies and especially companies with a social mission to, to share what they're doing and have it grow in a viral capacity. When you were going after some of the bigger partners that you got, Earth Day Network, for example, mm -hmm. how did you approach them? What was the pitch to get them to partner with you? I think there's a full spectrum of companies, organizations that they probably could have aligned with. What mm -hmm. was the pitch to get them on board with you? Well, it's funny. Like I, At the time, I didn't even look at it as a pitch. It was, <laughs> it was just, I was so excited about what we were doing. And we all have the same goal in mind, right? Like we all want to uh, keep our planet clean and healthy and sustainable, and we all want to help each other and and to be happy and to. You know, we all have the same goals long term, and so for me, it was just connecting with the right people on on each of the teams that I wanted to to work with at these different organizations, and saying, "Look, here's here's why it makes so much sense that we work together and." Here, I'd love to share our, our product with you, and, and here's what it's doing, and and let's do a collaboration. And usually, those collaborations in the beginning were, were social media oriented. Okay. And because we shared the same demographic, and we, our followers all have the same um, things that we're passionate about. It just it, it grew quickly, and it grew in a really great way. So I think that that's the most important thing for anyone who wants to grow what they're doing. It's it's looking at organizations who already love what you're doing, and and working with them. Yeah, that makes sense. So the social media partnerships, uh, I mean, obviously, as you said, social has been uh, really key to your own growth. Social mm -hmm. changes all the time. Are there things that you're looking at today around social that uh, stand out for you, new channels or a new approach that you think that you should, um, that, that companies should really be paying attention to? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when we first started, Facebook was huge for us. Instagram was unheard of. Today, Instagram is <laughs> number one. Yes. And Facebook is becoming less and less of a powerful platform, at least in in our experience with our target market. So um, the changes in social are, are constant and uh, take a lot of time and a lot of attention. And you really have to know what's going on and really pay uh, very close attention to the, the dynamics and and it's so dependent on where your market is and what they're listening to and what they like using and um, yeah we've just found <laughs> it's a day-to-day -day effort to keep up with the changes and um, it's been it's been fun too actually to see the different advances and how people are are gathering information and sharing information it's been really interesting yeah. I'd actually love to hear, you've mentioned delegation a couple of times and you mentioned mm -hmm. sort of how quickly you need to move. How have you structured your team to be able to experiment and respond to new channels? Uh, what does is, what is the Rain Tees team look like? Mm, we still have a really small team. We're looking to grow as, as the company grows, but for in, in the beginning and for a long time, it was really, it was myself, um, a designer. And everything else was um, contracted out on an as-needed basis with very little capital. Yeah. So <laughs> since then, um, we've we've grown to have someone dedicated to social on a regular basis. Um, we have an, an amazing designer that we work with who's 
who's done great things for us in the past couple of years, especially. And we're excited to launch a new line soon, but our, our team is still small. And that's actually um, both helped us and been challenging for us because it's, it's enabled us to stay agile and to move quickly because mm-hmm. we don't have, you know, a huge slew of people that have to, you know, we have to navigate. But at the same time, it's, it's been hard because <laughs> the bigger the team, the more you can do. Yeah. So, so we're excited to continue to grow and expand our team. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a designer as your, as your first hire is an interesting move. Um, why was it that the, the, having a designer was so important to uh, uh, your team? Well, because our product is a design-based product. It was graphic T-shirts, and without great design, we'd have no company. So that was really important. Um, would I do the same thing looking back? Like in new startups looking out, I, I would never say – make that your first hire. I think the most important thing is to build a team that has relevant experience. Looking back, I would have brought on someone with, um, with experience in fashion, you know, years and years of experience, um, far more experience than I had at the time, (laughs) but, um, takes all the fun out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It takes all the fun out. Exactly. All the mystery. (laughs) Cool. Uh, well, I want to shift gears a little bit because I want to make sure we hit on um, this idea of blending a for-profit company with uh, a cause. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd love your thoughts on, you know, other companies that do cause alignment really well. Uh, and, and also, you know, as you're speaking about that, what's the economic rationale, what's the economic reason for a company to align with a cause or to partner with, uh, with an organization? Well, the economic reasons for doing so are many and growing and extremely impressive to anyone who wants to start a business right now or add a social cause to their already existing business. Um, research has consistently shown that consumers are willing to spend more money on products with a cause and on brands and companies with a cause. People want to get behind companies that care and they want to support um, people and brands that are making a difference. And I don't think that's going to change. I don't think that's going away. I think it's growing. And that's so exciting because um, what we've seen is that while philanthropy can do a lot of great things, business can always do more. And there will always be more money in corporate America than in philanthropic America. <laughs> and I think that goes um, on a global scale as well, not just here across the United States. So what that means is... Uh, I, I think all companies should have a mission, should have a greater vision um, for solving our, our world's biggest social, environmental, and human rights issues. I think that the more people and the more companies that get really innovative with how they can can tackle what's going on in the world using business, um, the more amazing things will be achieved. And, and we're seeing that every day with with so many different kinds of companies, everything from um, Dog for Dog, which is a company that donates um, dog food for every um, package of dog food sold. They help dogs in shelters to companies that are um, doing things like rain teas where we, sure. we plant trees. So I think it's just, it's really exciting. And the more people that devote their companies to causes, the more great things we're going to see happening. In choosing a cause to align with um, as a company, do you feel like it's important to have that cause be somehow related to your core um, mission as a company, or is it really, it could come down to something as simple as what the founders are passionate about? I think it's both. I think 
from a branding perspective, <laughs> um, it's it's really important that your cause does align with with your company. I think it just makes sense and it, it helps consumers make sense of your brand. However, um, for anyone with a startup, you have to look inside you and say, what drives me? What's that vision? What what gets me out of bed every morning? What you know is it that that makes us come alive? There's that amazing quote that what the world needs is is people who've come alive and. I think every one of us has something inside us that, that drives us and that makes us who we are. And it's really about getting in touch with that and then taking that passion and putting it towards a company and using business to drive that passion. So um, it's a bit of both. If, if you can start with the vision and then develop the brand around it, that's by far the best scenario. But if you already have a brand, um, tying a cause into it is, is a wise move, very wise move. Great. Finding a cause to help you come alive. I can't think of a better note to, to end our conversation on. Um, so I'm going to, to leave us there. Beth, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on. It's, it's been so great to have you. Um, I, I really respect your work, and I know it's something that we can all learn from. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. And to everyone else, thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Growth Show. You can learn more at HubSpot.com backslash podcast and find all the previous episodes on iTunes. Just search for The Growth Show. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome. It would make my day if you could leave us a quick review. Thanks so much for joining us. And we will talk to you all again soon. This is Megan at HubSpot. Hey, Megan. How's it going? It's great. It's great. Thanks so much for doing this with us. We're really excited. I'm really excited to talk to you. I, I love Rain Teas, so it's been really cool to read up on you over the last couple of days. Okay, so I'm going to um, ask you that final question now. Let me just check in with our producer, Dave. Do we do a, a re-intro or anything? Just a little intro. Okay, perfect. Um, he's giving me hand signals through the, through the glass, which is great.